You are now listening to the Here for the Truth podcast, hosted by Joel Rafidi and Eurosimos. What's up, beautiful people? Welcome back to the Here for the Truth podcast. I'm Joel Rafidi. I've got my co-host Eurosimos in the house as always. Today, we have Miri AF, aka Miri Ann Finch, in the house to have an awesome conversation around the nature of media psyops and uh, false flag events and uh, Hollywood programming and how all these kind of um, propaganda pushes are designed to manufacture our consents and how the ruling class truly operates and creates modern citizen slaves, which at the end of the day, are very unlikely to stand up or rise against tyranny. So please enjoy this episode. Right before we bring Miri on, I just want to highlight our private membership community, Friends of the Truth. If you're interested in connecting and discovering um, a very rational, grounded, intuitive, like-minded community of truth seekers, um, please don't hesitate to head to friendsofthetruth.co and learn more about what we're offering there. Anything else, man? No, that's it. I hope you all enjoy this episode. Uh, I think it was a great one. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the Here for the Truth podcast. We have an amazing guest. As always, today we have Miri Finch in the house. She's an independent writer and researcher focused on exploring state propaganda, media psyops, and aiming to uncover the truth. She has a particular interest in the manufacture of consents otherwise known as problem, reaction, solution, and the erosion of true informed consent. And all her work is available at her website, miriaf.co.uk. Mary, Mary, thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me on. Absolute pleasure. Um, One way we always like to kick this off, particularly with new guests, is we'd like to get a bit of your backstory, um, a little bit of your personal hero's journey and major rites of passage that I guess began the awakening process for you and I guess put you in the position to, to do the work that you're doing today? Okay. Um, well, the uh, major event was uh, I um, I studied in the US actually in uh, New York State. And uh, when I began my studies there, uh, they wanted my childhood vaccine records, uh, which I sent to them. And they said that was fine. Um, and after I'd uh, enrolled, moved countries, um, I'd been there for maybe two or three weeks and I got um, an email from the university health department uh, informing me that my vaccine records were uh, not in fact up to date and I needed to have another measles vaccination and um, I found this a bit irregular Uh, you know they'd let me in they'd taken my money uh, so I challenged this and they informed me that if I didn't have another measles vaccination they were going to expel me from the university and deport me from the country. So I thought, well, this wow. seems, uh, yeah, uh, quite a, a draconian response. So I did know a little bit about vaccines at that time. And I said, well, uh, I have already had one, one measles vaccination. I've never had measles. Um, I don't think it's a particularly serious disease. I don't want to have unnecessary medication. So um, I'm going to decline that. And instead, I'd like a blood test to find out whether I've already got the antibodies to the uh, measles antigen so I wouldn't need another vaccine. And I just expected them to say, you know, yes, that was fine. But they said, no, that's not acceptable. You have to have another vaccination. And I said, well, is the point that I'm immune to the disease or that I've had the vaccination? And they didn't want to answer that question. Uh, And they said to me, you know, 
it would be easier just to have the vaccination. And I was thinking, well, easier for who? When is it ever easier to have an invasive, risky medical procedure that you probably don't need? So I said, no, um, I'd like to have the blood test, please. And they said, well, you can have it, but you have to pay for it yourself and the vaccine would be free. Um, so I insisted on having the blood test and the blood test showed that I already had antigens to, uh, I already had the antibodies to the measles antigen. So they reluctantly agreed that this was good enough and that I could stay at the university um, and not be deported and expelled. Um, but this really set uh, the cogs whirring that why did they put such pressure on me and issue such uh, penalties for what seemed like a kind of a, a trivial matter. So I think that was what made me really start researching um, and really looking into the measles vaccination, because as you probably know, there's no measles vaccination anymore. It would have actually been the MMR. When I was looking into the MMR and all of the uh, potential side effects, I thought that they pressurised me so much to have that rather than a simple blood test. This is uh, this is very telling. And I thought, you know, for most uh, students, it's their first time away from home. It's their first time they're making their own medical decisions. They would have buckled to that pressure and potentially had a whole severe uh, array of side effects that a medication they didn't need. So that's really what kind of started to uh, catapult me down the rabbit hole. So while I was at this university, I started to lead a bit of a double life. So I was uh, going to um, my my classes and, uh, you know, um, interacting uh, with people. Uh, what what with year is this? Sorry. Um, and uh, then by night, it was kind of going on internet forums and, uh, you know, reading the David Icke website. and learning there was a lot more to the whole vaccine issue and then to lots of other issues than I had previously realised. So I think that was that that was the event that really started my uh, conspiratorial, if you like, journey. Yeah, awesome. What, 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 what year was yeah. that? Roughly? That what time was like? 2013. Got you. Yeah. So interesting. Um, all right. Well, let's get into like I guess the, the the meat and bones of kind of what you do now from a broader picture perspective. Like obviously you talk a lot about um problem reaction solution, media psyops. Um were there particular psyops along your journey that you began to question initially which led you to dive deeper down this subject and exploring it in in, in a bigger way? And then also, can you I guess explain for our audience in I guess a in a simple way what is a media psyop? Well, I think uh, after I, I found there was um, such a chasm of difference between what um, uh, families and parents were reporting about these hideous uh, side effects they'd had from vaccines and what the media was saying, you know, yeah. side effects are very rare when they do happen, they're very mild. I realised that there was such a difference. This is unlikely to be the only thing the media is misrepresenting. So um, I got quite involved in 9-11 um, Truth um, and... Uh, Again, I saw the same chasm of difference between what the evidence was suggesting and what the mainstream media was saying. And that kind of led to me questioning a, a, a lot of uh, mainstream events, uh, such as uh, the moon landings, how they were represented by the media, um, and the evidence and what people had uncovered. And so I think I quickly came to... Uh, to realise that if you want to ascertain the truth about something, the mainstream media is not going to give you that. And what the mainstream media is actually going to do is try and bait you into a certain perspective which serves the ruling classes. So whenever there's a major media event, because uh, obviously there are, there are thousands of newsworthy events every day, the media only selects a very small proportion of those to focus on and it always seem to be ones which have an underlying agenda. Um, so uh, 
9-11, the, uh, the real agenda was to give um, America an excuse to go to war. Um, and I think I realised that the mainstream media is not there to report the news, it's there to manipulate us. And it does that most often through problem-reaction-solution. So it will present a problem, e.g. Uh, America's been attacked at 9-11, the, the public responds, something must be done, and then the ruling classes come in with their solution, which they've now manufactured the consent of the public for through media misrepresentation of events. So let's let's talk about, I guess, coming into current events recently. You know, you speak, you speak about in your articles the transition from, like, um, uh, propagating serial killers to having celebrity status like back in the day like 70s 80s 90s like it was all about serial killers and they were super well known and there's lots of media coverage around it now that's kind of died off and then we've seen an array of school shootings i guess over the last decade or even more um can you speak into that and also what you consider to be the long-term agenda um with this particular supposed psyop yeah so i think the uh, ruling classes were known for many centuries that the best way of controlling people is through fear. Um, and uh, fear gets a very instant reaction for people. It tends to disable their rational thought. And uh, serial killers were obviously uh, very sensationalised in the media to the extent that it came across that serial killing was something that happened a lot. So I think, you know, in the 70s, 80s, 90s, we were hearing about serial killers all the time. And it was giving people this idea that, you know, they weren't safe to walk the streets because there just could be a serial killer who would pop out of, out of nowhere and kill them. Yeah. Um, and when people were in, in that, that fearful state, they become very suggestible. Um, and then they're very open to whatever solution the ruling classes would like to bring in next. Um, and I did mention in one of my recent articles that... Uh, if you look into the evidence behind uh, so-called serial killers, again, the mainstream account of what these people are doesn't really add up. And there is uh, quite a bit of evidence to suggest, which was presented particularly well by David McGowan, who did a brilliant book on that, that these people had gone through um, likely intelligence agencies programming, like MKUltra, uh, to program them for these uh, assassin roles later on. And they weren't just... Uh, organic phenomena that these weren't just people who'd had a bad childhood and then had exploded they had likely been programmed to fulfill these roles and it seems now it's very telling that we don't hear about serial killers anymore that that seems to have completely disappeared but now we we hear about the school shooters and that seems to have uh, filled the void that the the serial killers um have left and i think that the school shooters are now uh, gaining prominence because they help to fulfill a number of agendas that the ruling classes want to push. Um, I, I think that there are several. Uh, one, I think, very key is that they do want to now end conventional schooling because when conventional schooling was first introduced, um, the only way of the ruling classes being able to indoctrinate children into their worldview was to physically remove them from the family home and they needed to be in a physical premises where they could be inducted into whatever the ruling classes want them to believe. But now that we have the internet, and, uh, of course, children being very fond of screens, they don't need to actually physically remove children from the home anymore. And obviously running schools is very expensive. So I do think that they want to bring conventional schooling to an end and have children sitting at home watching screens all the time. And in order to get the response from parents where they're clamoring for that, schools need to be made to look unsafe. So now we have this spate of school shootings. And of course, the reaction from the parents is 
is my child safe to go to school? Wouldn't it be better if they were learning safely at home on the internet? And then we did have a trial period of that through uh, COVID when the schools closed and children were learning online. So I think we're going to see more and more school shootings to provoke this reaction from the parents that know they don't want their children in schools anymore. And then they can also uh, use the school shooting to uh, provoke political divides. I think that they did that very successfully with the recent school shooting um, where they had an alleged transgender shooter. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's such a major political uh, issue in the US and globally. And of course, gun control is always a major issue. So they've managed to get these two factions, uh, people who are pro-transgender, people who are pro-gun, uh, fighting with each other, which I think is uh, leading up to a desired civil war in America. They want to uh, destroy the existing order. So they have inflamed these two issues uh, uh, with a transgender school shooter to lead to... Um, ultimate combat between these two factions uh, in a bid to have a civil war that uh, will, I think, end up in destroying America so they can, as they like to say, repeatedly build back better. Yeah, it's the first time I actually um, thought of that, you know, from reading your article, this idea of wanting to just take children out of school and make it all online. So that was um, that was really uh, cool, to read that, cool to read that, obviously not cool in a positive sense, but just like to to be able to expand my mind in, in that regard. I mean, the gun control issue obviously has been going on for a very, very long time. Um, so, um, yeah, what, how did, I guess I, I'm curious your thoughts on this whole media psyop thing and the ruling elite, like, like how do, how does this structure, how is this structure in play? Like who's behind this? Obviously it's a question everyone asks, but what are your thoughts on that? I think that the same people are behind world events now as have been for for centuries. And I think there are intergenerational uh, dynasties who are immensely wealthy, immensely powerful. I think they're they're not always necessarily names that we would know. I think these people are extremely clever. Uh, They stay behind the scenes. Um, They use their puppets to do uh, their dirty work. So anybody whose name is a household name or whose face we would instantly recognize, I don't think they have any real power. Uh, They're just puppets. They're being used, probably controlled by blackmail. Um, But... Uh, families like uh, the Rothschilds, the Rockefellers. Uh, I think there are probably several dozen families, but the same names pop up again and again if you look back through world history. And, uh, you know, they're they're the puppet masters behind the scenes, um, creating um, a sort of pantomime on the world stage, presenting it to us as world events and trying to pull our strings to get the desired reaction from us to move through to the next stage. What do you think um, the ruling elites, the the agenda is now that they see that a lot more people are having a lot of distrust in the mainstream media? Like, where do you where do you see this going in that regard? I think that they're going to capitalize on that uh, because I do think they want to destroy the existing order. So I think that they are going to, in the near future, um, sponsor some whistleblowers who will operate in the kind of uh, Overton window and they will uh, limited hangout. They will reveal certain truths. And so they will come across as um, being kind of our saviors. Oh, you know, we're, we're revealing how corrupt this establishment is. And uh, by doing so, they will obviously win the trust of people who are desperate to see things revealed and are desperate for change. Um, but these will kind of be uh, wolves in sheep's clothing. And once they've got the trust by revealing a little bit of the corruption, then they'll be able to bring in the next stage of the agenda, having won public trust. Hmm. Are there any particular people 
that you highlight, like the Elon Musks of the world? The Yes, you know, I think the, Elon Musk, absolutely. Um, he's saying all the right things. Um, he's 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 very popular. Uh, he seems he seems likable. He seems very amenable. Um, but this is a guy who wants to put chips in people's brains. Um, I believe did have financial investment in a vaccine company. So uh, yeah, absolutely. I think Elon Musk will be a major player in this. How do you how do you advise and recommend that people like garner more discernment and become more vigilant? Because it seems as though we're just, you know, being faced with these illusions on all fronts. Obviously, now the media has evolved to social media. Um, like, should people just be distrusting completely of, you know, most of the information they're receiving? Like, how do you how do you recommend people to to become more discerning as they move through life? You know, especially as this continues to evolve. Like, it can become very overwhelming for an individual. I would imagine, you know, mm-hmm. to just become. Because obviously we don't want to guide people just to be completely distrustful of reality altogether. So it's like, where's that line for you? Well, I think, um, you know, the best advice is uh, eternal vigilance is the price of freedom. So I'd say to uh, to not be distrusting so much as just to be uh, sceptical and discerning and ask questions. And I think um, it's really important to make a distinction between um, the reality that you see around you, like what your family and your friends and, and your job, and things that you see on uh, screens, especially obviously the, the mainstream screens. Yeah. So um, I think it's always important to ask questions um, and s- satisfy yourself that what you're what you're seeing is true. Um, I think if it's presented on a mainstream channel, there's a, a very high likelihood that it uh, you're not being told the truth or you're not being told the whole truth. But you should attempt not to bring that level of skepticism through to uh, everyday real life, people, you know, in, in, in your real life. Um, it's, it can be easy to slide into paranoia, but if you can make the distinction between uh, vigilance and discernment and irrational paranoia, that, that's important. And it's it's a hard skill to develop, but I think it is uh, an imperative journey to go through um, to remain vigilant. And I think the reason that that, that, uh, that saying has endured for such a long time, that inter- eternal vigilance is the price of freedom is because it is, it is so true. Yeah. I've been, I've been, you know, pretty much living by the philosophy, the philosophy for years that the media is simply the marketing arm for psychopaths and pedophiles. And it's like, so yeah. why, why, you know, when we know for a fact that they've lied on so many issues so many times, like mm. how can you how can you not just simply, you know, keep an arm's length from anything that's being portrayed on that screen? But now it's like with the advent of social media, like how have psyops evolved? Because now they can now they can promulgate certain individuals, like you talk about Andrew Tate, et cetera. And it's like the psyop is now coming closer. It's becoming more evolved. It's becoming, you know, um, the, the web becomes larger, so to speak. Mm. Yeah, I want. I just want to comment too on what we said because everything you said, I agree with. But then it's like, how does one individual do that? And this is something mm. that we've talked about so many times on this show, um, and with the work that we do, is like it has to be an individual journey. You have to be able to heal yourself too, because if you're operating at a fight or flight, if you haven't healed your wounds, if you haven't done some level of shadow work to get to know the shadows that lie that lie within then these ruling elites, these social engineers, these architects of control, they will continue to play on that. They will play you like a puppet. They will play your deepest wounds. I mean, you, I mean, you even see that even when we go back to 
um, you know, the work of Edward Bernays, you know, just understanding psychology and understanding how to convince people even to buy products or to move things in a certain direction. And so, you know, if you don't understand yourself, these people, these people that we call they, the ruling elites, they know us better than mm -hmm. people know themselves. And so you have to you know, talk about being vigilant. You need to know yourself so freaking well that you have psychic immunity where it's like, nah, that ain't going to work on me, bro. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I think it's key what you said about Edward Bernays. Um, and uh, you're completely right that the uh, ruling elites are um, past masters of human psychology and they understand human psychology much better than most humans do themselves. Uh, and there's a very good uh, documentary series. I don't know if um, you have it over there called The um, Century of the Self. Yeah. Yeah, yes. amazing. I just, I just sent that link to like three people last week. I was like, okay, this is watch this because it's a great it's a great like segue. It's on a like a mainstream platform, you can say too. So I think people can be more open to it. Anyways, continue. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. And I think uh, the um, the ruling class is really advanced by several light years when uh, they ha they had um, Freud's theories harnessed by Bernays, um, and they they now. Uh, uh, admit as um harari uh, the wef poster boy said that they see now human beings as hackable animals and that's because they've learned how to hack us through freudian psychology and uh bernays using that through advertising um and uh you know this dynasty uh, still has immense control um as you probably know a descendant of that dynasty is the ceo of netflix mm -hmm. um and, you know, Netflix is so affordable, uh, you know, you get this huge array of entertainment for the price of like less than one DVD a month. And the reason it's so affordable is because it's so useful to them that we're constantly plugged into this uh, military grade mind control weapon, which is, is Netflix, uh, using Bernays techniques. Um, and they know exactly how to play us. They, they know how to make us scared. They know how to make us happy. They know how to use that to their advantage. And I think, uh, you know, as you say, people have to become as assiduous uh, students of human psychology as the ruling elites are to make sure they aren't constantly played by psyop after psyop. Yeah. I just think of like the obsession that Western society has with serial killers and serial killer TV shows, you know, and like constantly we're glorifying like these Jeffrey Dahmers and, you know, the most people have committed the most insidious acts. Um, like, can, can you, can you speak into that kind of the, the manufactured side of like Hollywood and TV drama and how that plays on our own psyche? Well, I, I think they're using uh, a lot of the same tactics and, uh, people do, um, like to be frightened. You know, that's uh, why horror movies are successful, why people do things like extreme sports, uh, you know, why they go on roller coasters, which make them scream. Um, you know, this this is attractive to people. They in, enjoy the heightened emotions of, of fear to a certain extent. So it's something that ruling classes can bait us with very easily. And then that does get us into a suggestible state and then then, then push things into our mind. Um, and, you know, the, the difference between a, a so-called real serial killer and, uh, you know, a faked Hollywood uh, movie is very, very blurry. And it's not always very clear what the distinction is. Um, when you see a Hollywood movie, you're explicitly told this is fake. It's uh, it's not real. It's being portrayed by actors. But when you see the the so-called news, um, you're you're not told that. Um, so, are you sure you can always tell the distinction? Uh, how would you know? Um, uh, they had that the, the War of the Worlds when uh, they 
broadcast something fake over radio about an alien invasion. Um, and people believed it because they weren't told it was fake. So I think the most important thing to realize is, uh, you know, we've been played Hollywood movies all the time, but we're not always told that that's what's going on. Yeah, mm -hmm. it, it seems like that's part of the strategy, too, because it creates this kind of contrast like this is all fake. And so people just go, oh, yeah, that's fake, like you say. Mm -hmm. And then so it makes people more likely to believe the other side. Yeah. Like polarizes yeah. them into that like um, blind faith and blind trust because it's not quote unquote fake. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and I think uh, another thing that they uh, use Hollywood movies to is kind of hiding in plain sight. So they, they uh, often tell the truth through Hollywood movies um, and Netflix. Uh, there was a very popular Netflix show, um, The Watcher. And uh, they went into some detail about uh, satanic child abuse and adrenochrome. Uh, and I think that the reason they do this is so if any so-called conspiracy theorists say, well, this is really going on, you, you can just be dismissed. Oh, you've just been watching too many movies. Mm. Yeah, there was even that TV show, I can't remember the name of it, with uh, John Cusack that literally seemed like it was describing the events of like 2020, 2021, 2022, um, explaining like Bill Gates and everyone else kind of involved in the process. I just can't remember what the name of it was. Was that a movie? No, I, I thought it was a TV series, but maybe it was a movie. Okay. Um, was it Don't Look Up? Was that that? No, no, no not Don't Look Up. Uh, I'll see if I can, if it comes to me. No, 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 no worries at all. So, like, in your in your view, like, like we, I mean, this all sounds very Truman Show, right? How much of the Truman shows can actually be applicable to this reality? Yeah, yeah, I, I think that the Truman Show is probably uh, one one of the most. Um, uh, clear kind of revelations of the method there is a, it's very interesting that they called him truman you know call him bill or joe or something truman true man this is the truth of man this is the predicament that that we're really in and i think that that was uh yeah it was um very astute and that's exactly there's there's a a hidden elite behind the curtain who are stage managing our reality and we as the trumans of our own lives think it's all real but in fact no it's being scripted and produced by you know slick professionals behind the scenes yeah. And do you think a movie like that, like that's a movie that's made in terms of like some form of disclosure or some form of just predictive programming? Like are the bad guys, quote unquote, making it? Are there people like that are on the good side making it to try to inform people? Like there's so many different like angles. ideas and opinions around this and angles. Cause it's like, can everyone be bad? You know, I don't, I don't buy that personally, but curious your thoughts on that. Yeah. So I think, um, it's uh, multifactorial. I think the, uh, one reason is, uh, as I say, so if you if you say, well, the Truman Show is is real, that's how things really are. You can be dismissed. You just watch too much television. Yeah. Um, I think there is uh, some credence to the idea that the ruling classes have a kind of a moral code, and wow. um, they reveal what they're doing to us. And then if we don't object and stop it, that qualifies as a kind of uh, consent. consent. Um, I I. Absolutely, think predictive programming is a huge one. Um, so, uh, in the lead up to COVID, there were lots and lots of big budget uh, contagion films, including yeah. the called Contagion itself. Um, and this is a way of priming us to believe that um, you know this is coming. And I did actually uh, watch the DVD of Contagion and watch the extras. And the director said, uh, "This isn't a work of fiction." Um, 
this is kind of a prophecy. It's, it's a matter of um, when, not if. So they actually said that explicitly. And then here in the UK, um, our then health secretary said in the media that he had based his pandemic response on the movie Contagion. Um, so that, that's pretty uh, clear admission of what, what they're using Hollywood movies for. That is wild to me that you're going to do base your response on a Hollywood movie. Wow. Yeah. So scientific. I know. I know. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it's almost like Hollywood is like the beta test for when they play it out in the, on the real people. You know? Yeah. 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 And I think, um, you know, they, they always put uh, huge amounts of money and all the big name stars into the contagion movies. Uh, Contagion, World War Z, Outbreak. Um, so everybody knows these films. And actually, um, a friend of mine who was uh, still at school in about 2016, he said in uh, the geography class, they were played the movie Contagion because uh, they were told, you know, this is so important. This, this really highlights uh, vital issues, public health importance. You need to watch it. I'm thinking they're watching a make-believe fairy tale as part of their education. So I think this it, it's clear just what a huge role these um these films play in uh, programming uh, what we believe about what's possible and and, and what could happen uh, because the COVID script did follow the Contagion script form almost perfectly, almost to the letter. Um, and in fact, when I watched Contagion, I watched it in early 2019 and I did... Uh, do a post on Facebook at the time. And I said, I think they're telling us something. I think, you know, something like this is going to come and it's going to be faked. And the point is going to trick us into taking a poisonous vaccine because in the film Contagion, there is a conspiracy theorist who says this. And he says, you know, this disease is not really serious. Uh, they're trying to trick you into taking a vaccine. Don't take the vaccine because that's where the real harms are. And in the film, the conspiracy theorist played by Jude Law, I think, is revealed just to be um, a snake oil salesman. You know, he's lying about the vaccines. He's got his own product he wants to sell. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's it's, it's set, setting uh, setting the scene for what came very quickly afterwards very, very well. Yeah, even the end of, was it the end of I Am Legend, where it was Will Smith had the life-saving vaccine that was going to save the world. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's so, so nefarious the way these seeds are just planted, you know. And it's like sometimes it's like so so far in advance, like before the actual event as well. And I, even I just think of like, you know, popular kids shows and TV shows, like just the different contexts in which these seeds are just planted. Um, but then it gets me thinking like, what role do we play in playing out this reality? Like when the, once these seeds are planted, when this, once this programming is kind of like put in place, you know, like are we then, do we then play a role in it playing out because we're expecting it to, to on, to, on some unconscious level? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think so. I think they're completely dependent on us um, playing our parts um, and they kind of induct us uh, unknowingly as uh, extras and they'll kind of, feed our lines to us, like, uh, you know, follow the science. Um, Stay home, and, save lives. Um, because uh, without our co-creating this reality problem, it wouldn't exist. If everyone just said, no, this is a load of nonsense, they would they would get nowhere. So they're very dependent um, on us on us uh, performing. Um, you know, and they'll use the, uh, the media, the, uh, TV, the news, the newspapers, to tell us what to say. So the, it's like the, the, the director's handing us our lines. Here you go. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, our subconsciouses are being primed over time, you know, over decades that lead up to a lot of this. And so I think that's why many of us who have been 
in the alternative research field for a long time, we go like, how how could this be done so easily? Why is everyone falling for it? But mm-hmm. you know, again, if you if you haven't turned the gaze inward, if you haven't explored these realms and and started to connect the dots, it makes complete sense to mm-hmm. me why people would like. I, I I understand why an individual who maybe hasn't done individual work or who hasn't you know explored some of these alternative alternative arenas of information would just be like, well, yeah, of course, like there's a there's a virus, and you know I need to take care of my you know family, and I got to be mindful, and I need to stay home because I could get someone sick, and and like and I'm also scared, and you know I get it. You know, it's just to a part of me. I'm just like, this is crazy, though. Why? So anyways. Mm. Well, I think that's that's the thing that's very difficult for people to get their head around. And, you know, we're all there once, Um, you know, why? Why would anyone lie on such an industrial scale? Um, You know, and obviously, as you know, it's not an easy question to answer. Um, It's Mm -hmm. much uh, it's much easier and and, uh, superficially more logical to just think there's this, this fringe array of crazy conspiracy theorists who are just making up fantastical stories than it is to believe uh, all our dominant institutions, you know, education, medicine, that we're brought up to trust, that they're all lying, that they're all kind of in on it. Um, that's that's much harder to get your head around it. So I can certainly understand why uh, a lot of people don't become so-called conspiracy theorists. Uh, it's, a, it's a difficult, much more complicated journey than what we would all prefer to do and think, you know, our dominant institutions have our best interests at heart and they've got checks and balances in place and they tell the truth. Of course, we'd all like to believe that. Um, it, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's difficult and traumatic to realize that's not true. Yeah, that's what you, you hit the nail on the head there. It triggers such a deep vulnerability in, in an individual and people that like it's too much to hold for so many people's psyches. Like they yes. don't have the space. They don't have the containment to hold that reality and the possibility, like you said, of these institutions not having our best interests in mind. But even beyond that, maybe even more nefarious evil intentions as well. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah, I was reading I was reading your articles and like um even one of one of the ways that I didn't really think about, but you know, the more subtle ways we're programmed, like you mentioned of the popular hit TV series Friends, right? Mm-hmm. And you have Ross, the intellectual, where anytime he tries to talk about politics or culture or anything, you know, outside of the realm of, you know, their their, their self-indulgent world that boos, sighs, he shut down yeah, and yeah. you're boring, Ross, you know. It's just yeah. so become so ingrained in the culture. Just keep drinking the coffee. Keep shutting your eyes. Yes. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, um, friends, obviously, a very, very powerful uh, mind control vehicle. Um, and uh, I don't know if you ever come across uh, Jason Christoph. Um, oh yeah, he's a he's a friend. Been oh, on really? a couple oh, times. He's a good friend of ours. Yeah. I was going to bring oh, that up. His article or talking about that. I think. Yeah, on friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, I think uh, he's fantastic. And you know what he said about friends is so true, and how. They program you to uh, play small and, you know, all, all of the characters have quite unsuccessful lives and they, they lose jobs and their relationships fall apart. And this is kind of pushed as desirable. And, you know, he observed that when one of them does well and kind of puts their head above the parapet of it, it's kind of made out they've got big headed and they're not as nice a person anymore. Um, but then when they lose a job or the relationship falls apart, then they then, then become a nice person again and then their friends accept them. So it's sending this very powerful programming that, you know, if you rise into your full potential, you'll be rejected by the tribe. And I think he hit the nail on the head with that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the the name of our group coaching program is Rise Above the Herd, you know, right. and and we talk about the crabs in the bucket analogy like all the time. And it's true. You know, if you try to rise up, let's say you want to start eating healthier. Let's say you want to stop drinking coffee. 
you want to like improve yourself, get a better job. You know, the people in your in your world, you know, the crabs in the bucket, they want to pull you down. Because, again, like I said before, when you talk about psychology, by you wanting to better yourself, wanting to be healthier, you're triggering this vulnerability in an individual and they're not sitting with it. They're not aware of it. You know, so they tend to go into ridicule. They tend to go into judgment and attack. Mm -hmm. Uh, because it's too much to hold within themselves of like, wait, what am I doing? What, mm -hmm. what does my look like? My life look like? Should I be doing that? You know what I mean? So it's too much. And so it's easier. Again, it's it's like that saying, it's easier to judge than to think. And yes. so most people will just point the finger. Yes, yes, it's absolutely true. Um, and, uh, you know, it's it's so interesting if you observe the um, the life of the characters that the friends played. Uh, juxtaposed to the lives of the actors playing them. I mean, you know, these actors are phenomenally successful. Um, uh, you know, um, the female actresses particularly obviously followed very healthy diets and workout schedules. But then in Friends, you know, that they're, they're seen eating pizza and drinking drinking beer where you know that there is no way that these actors are actually living those lifestyles. But the message is it's okay for you to live those lifestyles. Yeah. yeah. You just see so much dysfunction being portrayed on media and yeah. how can that not impact your psyche it's yes. all about making you know mediocrity desirable at the end of the day because in 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 that state then obviously the masses remain powerless you know as long as people are dependent you know on whatever the culture is providing then there's never going to be any kind of real quote-unquote revolution any real stand-up to tyranny yeah. But even on the flip side, and I know I've brought this up before, even with some of these epic movies that highlight heroes, I find it's a way for an individual to just get a taste of that, you know, for that to be triggered within themselves without them having to even be heroic in their life. They're just like, yeah. oh, great. Wow, I felt it. Oh, I'm that character. And then they just go on to their life. Now, some people maybe who are more discerning who can connect the dots, they might take something and it may be inspiring. Like I, I think cinema can be extremely valuable and it's helped, the storytelling is a big part of our history. And I, I value it. I don't think it's all bad, but again, it's a tool and how is it used? And when you're talking about it from a mainstream standpoint, I don't think it's being used in a way to uplift humanity and uplift the individual. No, no, absolutely. It, it's, it's very interesting. I think what you said is absolutely true that, um, you know, when, when someone goes to the cinema, they like to see the underdog, you know, challenge authority and expose corruption and, and, and triumph. So it's almost like that's that that's fulfilled in them. They've seen it on the screen because in real life they don't like it because when the underdog tries to rise and challenge authority, the underdog's called a crazy conspiracy theorist and, you know, rejected. Um, so they they like it superficially and and when it's it's not real and it's on the big screen in real life, they, they don't like it at all. Mm. Someone needs to make like a catalogue of like, safe uplifting inspiring empowering media yeah like yes. seriously like this i can't i can't tell you how many times i sat there looking for something decent to watch i can't mm. you can't find it you know no. i think there's a there's definitely a demand for that <laughs> yeah but then also when you do find that how can you then take that that feeling of that knowing and, and apply it to yourself how yep. can i be more heroic how can i stand up more it can't mm. just be this thing where you go you shut off you get into a trance and then you just turn back on and go on to your daily life. You have to take the lessons. You got to take the wisdom. You got to take the feeling, really have this connection to your body and go, what am I feeling? What am I sensing as I'm going through this experience and I'm watching this film and how can I take that into my life in a positive way? 
know, this mm-hmm. is it takes presence. It takes this awareness on a somatic level, on a psychological level. You know, you, 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 like you said, again, being vigilant, there's this like vigilance and awareness like, oh, I'm going into this theater or I'm sitting down and I'm turning the lights off and I'm watching this movie. How can I be more of an active participant as opposed to just the complete escapism mm. and getting lost in it? And so again, it's, it's a, it's delicate. It's a, it's an interesting balance that an individual has to uh, decipher within themselves. Yeah, yeah, and unfortunately, I don't think that uh, you know the, the ruling classes uh, and the people with the the real wealth will never sponsor anything that's genuinely uplifting and that genuinely could empower us because their whole uh, modus operandi from the day we're born is is to undermine our potential. Um, you know, everything they they do from uh, uh, the ridiculous vaccine schedule to uh, schooling and to media, it's all about kind of keeping us down and undermining us. So, I, I think yeah, we have to look. Uh, much further outside the mainstream into alternative and independent offerings, which obviously don't get the same promotion, don't get the same investment, so they're much they're much harder to find. Yeah. Also, I just had the the thought, even in some of these movies where there there's these epic films where they highlight the hero, the hero ends up dead at yeah. the end. So maybe yeah. they have like stood up and they've started this movement or they've defeated the evil emperor, but then they end up dead, and so that programming gets the mata, in- the mata. Yeah, it gets it gets put on a person, and most people are like, "No, nah, I don't want to die. I want to live." Yeah, 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 <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> that's, that's absolutely true. Um, yes, so uh, that's again a kind of insidious form of programming, isn't it? You know, yeah. it might seem superficially, "Oh, yes, the hero saved the day," but they died. So, what was the point of that? Well, I don't want to do that myself, so I'll just keep playing small and yeah. you know do what I'm told. What's up, everybody? Uh, just a brief interlude, just to give a shout out to some of our friends of the Truth members, uh, Joanna, uh, Andrew, Sarah Jane, David, Elisa. Thank you so much for being in there. Thanks for your support, for your, your love and everything that you you provide in the community. Uh, just grateful to have you in there and uh, excited to see where things go from here. All right, everyone, back to the episode. You, I read in one of your articles. Um, I think it was the end of end of the end of history psyop or end of the world psyop. Um, can you speak into that and also how you believe that you know this illusion, this Truman style illusion, is actually being dismantled a little bit the last couple of years? Yeah. So I think there's been a very strong sense in the West um, since the Second World War that um, you know. Uh, Evil has been totally vanquished, and and good is now won. We've we've defeated all the evil dictators, you know Hitler, Stalin, all that. They're all gone, and we've moved into this this wonderful, brave new world, if you will, um, where everyone's free and we've all got equality and everything's great. And there's nowhere else to go from here. We've reached the apex of human civilization. And there was a very famous book written in the 90s, I think, called The End of History. This political scientist uh, proposed this idea. And he said, um, you know, that there are many, many stages societies move through, but eventually it's inevitable they'll all end up at liberal democracies. And once they've got there, there's nowhere else they can go. Liberal democracy is so superior and so secure that once your society has achieved that, you can just relax and enjoy your life because you're in like this utopia um, and it can't be destabilized and it can't go anywhere else. And that's the end. And I think this idea has been pushed so strongly that it's caused people to take their eyes off the ball. Um, and you know what history shows is if, if you if you have got a culture, you know you've got to be vigilant all the time to defend it from threats. And um, there's never been a time where it's okay to just be complacent, sit back and relax. Everything's fine now. But we have been um, propagandized very strongly to think 
everything is fine now and we don't have to do anything and there are no more important cultural battles to fight. So I think what we have been brought to believe is your life is just about enjoying yourself, you know, find a job you like, find people you like, find hobbies you like and don't worry about anything else because everything else has been sorted out. Um, and I think that's very cunning um, uh, propaganda uh, because it has neutralised vast swathes of people. And, and what I, I find so much is that, yeah, you've got a small subsection of people who are very extreme and, you know, militant. You must take the vaccines. You must wear the masks, as to use recent examples. But most people are not like that at all. They're just kind of apathetic. They don't really care. They don't really care if you wear a mask or not. They just don't feel strongly about that or anything. They'll just say, oh, well, just do what you need to do to get along, to have an easy life. They've just got no fire or passion inside them. And I think they've been uh, engineered to be that way because then they're neutralised. They're just not a threat at all. So I do think, um, you know, our society is on course for very seismic changes. Um, I think it's very uh, likely and even probable that we may stop becoming democracies. I don't think democracies are wonderful and perfect, but there are worse things. Um, and it, and people are just not able to psych- psychologically comprehend that, that free, liberal, uh, democratic societies could end and these could be taken away from us. So when that happens, I just think there's this huge swathe of people, very apathetic, and, and they won't fight back. Yeah. It's almost like we're at the most complacent point in our lives when 2020, or like, like from a from a macrocosmic perspective, like Western democracy was never more complacent when kind of 2020 came around, you know? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. I think, you know, if they tried uh, COVID in 1965 or 75 or 85, they wouldn't have got away with it, but they mm-hmm. waited until people had really become, you know, very, very complacent and, and they... They judge that we'll do this. And most people just be like, oh, oh well, which was what most people were like. They had the extremes at either end. You had, you know, people like us who were fighting back and then people at the other extreme really trying to enforce the mandates. But the the, the vast majority were just kind of, "Hmm." Yeah, exactly. And technology had to be at a level for it to be pulled off, you know, with social media and this 24-7 news cycle, you know, that people are constantly being, their psyches are constantly being hit with this level of of propaganda. You know, again, it happened 20 years ago. You know, I don't think people's, uh, the complacency wouldn't be there like you're talking about, but their psyches wouldn't be in a place primed for something like this to have the impact it had and the strength of the the impact that it had uh, over the few years and continues. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely right. And I think um, a, a major reason for um, the lockdowns was to get people to screw their screens all the time, even more than they were already, because, um, you know, if if you uh, walked outside in uh, so-called COVID, you'd see that everything's normal and people aren't dropping down dead in the street. Um, but if you're just sitting inside glued to the screen and watching the news, it's, you know, people are dying all the time. It's terrible. It's awful. And 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 because our brains can't really decipher the difference between what we see on a screen and what's real. Then, then you know your, your your fear is ramped up, and you think, oh god, oh god, you know everyone's dying. It's terrible. So yeah, that that I think was um was a, was a major part of it, and they needed to wait until they had that technological control, which could supersede um people's reality. Um, and I, I remember actually the first time I noticed this was in 2011, and I was um living in London. And there was there were uh, quite major riots, or at least there were according to the news, and the news around the world was you know. London's burning, it's falling apart, it's being torn apart by these writers. And then I'd look out the window and it's, you know, peaceful streets, birds singing, people going about their business. Um, and so the difference between what the media can put into people's heads and what's actually going on is just now phenomenal. 
Yeah. I mean, you can even take that into just how the media can describe a country, you know, or through, through, yeah, through media. Like I remember in 2008, I took time off to backpack and I was going to Colombia for a month and people in the U.S. were like, you're going to Colombia because, you know, you know, Pablo Escobar and the drug wars and yeah. this, that and the other. And the same thing with Mexico as well. It's like the, the people have these ideas um, based on, you know, how they've just been programmed through media or whatever the case may be. Even when I studied abroad in Australia in 2001, I've told you this, Joel, like people are like, wait, but there's sharks. And like, you, you know, you got to be mindful. And I'm just like, what are you talking about? It's like yeah. your yeah. only view of a nation is based on like Crocodile Dundee. You know, yeah. watching that movie? Bro, I'm currently yeah. living in the state of Sinaloa in Mexico. You should have heard every single person, you know, Sinaloa and cartel, how could you? You can't go anywhere, you can't drive anywhere, you can't walk alone anywhere. Bro, I feel I feel safer here than I've felt in my home in Sydney, like for the, for the most part. And I just think about like, even again, go back to the media. How many freaking cartel TV series do you see now? How many drug pushing cartel? Again, glamorizing Escobar, all the, you know, it's like, it just doesn't doesn't stop. But like, why? You know, because ultimately, at the end of the, at the end of the day, I think it's less likely, or it's much further down the road that globalization is going to happen in a country like a, like Mexico than it is in Australia. Like, obviously, you know, like there's just so much. This like we have to uh, the the vigilant the, the internal vigilance of our own psyche and what's actually been plastered on. Yeah. You know, it's so so imperative. Yeah, yeah, and I think what what um a lot you know a lot of people have tried to work out why can some people uh, see through the the matrix, some people can't. Uh, one common theme seems to be that people who uh, can can see what's going on, um, they don't watch television. They may watch films, but they don't just switch on the TV and just just absorb what's that, whatever is is on there. And I think that that's a major uh, common factor because um, when you watch a film, even if it's a bad film, you know you've chosen it. Um, you've put some thought into it and there aren't adverts either. But when you just switch on the TV and just mindlessly let whatever that you know they want to pump into you, that that seems to be the one common theme that I've seen from all these uh conspiracy theorists from very disparate backgrounds, you know, different ages from different countries, but they do seem to have that in common. Yeah. I actually um I had a reconciliation with a friend of mine who had pulled away from me in the beginning of 2020 based on the things I was posting. Um, and part of it, part of the reconciliation was because, you know, he had stopped watching the news six months ago and actually started doing his own personal, like healing work on a deeper level and realizing some deep wounds that were, that were played on. And so again, it goes back to how important it is and not having your minds being pumped full of this information and this fear that's playing on you. If again, you have these core wounds from childhood or from different parts of your life that can be hijacked to 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 serve an agenda or to influence behavior yeah yeah no i i think that's that's absolutely right um and i think it's uh, key what you said there's a lot of um uh unhealedness with uh, a lot of people and our, our society is set up to be um traumatic uh in myriad different ways uh because traumatized people don't think rationally don't act rationally they're, they're they they they're triggered very easily um, and yeah, doing that, that healing work is very difficult. And, you know, we're kind of incentivized all the time, not, not to do it, everything about our lives, from, uh, you know, the, uh, the daily grind. So, um, the 40 hour working week, uh, I understand was conceived of not because that's, uh, the most productive. That's not, that's not how you get the most uh, or the best, uh, work out of workers. It's because 40 hours a week 
is just enough time for you not to completely burn out, but it's too much time for you to have the spare emotional, mental energy to get politically active in, in other spheres. So that just keeps you neutralized. Yeah. And to have, and then if you throw family into the mix and other responsibilities to even have the extra time to explore different avenues of thought and information, um, you know, you hear that statement from people all the time. Like, I just don't have the time. I don't mm. have the time. I don't have the time. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so and, and also, well, I just want to say on the flip side too, like, I know we're talking about the mainstream, but this happens even within alternative communities and the truth communities. You have people who are highly, highly, highly wounded and go down a path and everything just becomes like everyone's controlled opposition. Everything's a psyop. Everything's doom or gloom. The world's going to end tomorrow, you know? And so I don't think that's good either. And then yeah, yeah. there are some conspiracies that are just absolutely ridiculous and mm -hmm. nonsensical. Mm -hmm. So, you know, again, I keep bringing it back to the individual. The individual has to do their inner work. Uh, and to heal and to grow as best as they can so they can be more immune to these different forms of psychological operations and conditionings and, and, and propaganda that exists yeah. Yeah. everywhere. You're absolutely right. And I think um, uh, the question that I always encourage people to ask about, uh, you know, anything that's um, in, in uh, the mainstream is why this, why now? Because when you think of, the, the millions of newsworthy things that go on every day. Why, why are 99% of them ignored? And why is this one thing? Why are the media paying attention to this? Why is this headline news all over the world? You know, um, it's never just because it's newsworthy. There's always an agenda, usually multiple agendas. So if you can unpick everything at, at that level, why, why do they want me to think about this? What are they trying to make me feel? What are they trying to make me conclude? Um, and you can pretty much always see that, okay, well, there's, a, there's an ulterior motive here. Yeah. yeah. I think the bottom line that people need to become aware of is like there is a ruling class that exists. This ruling class wants to make you into a modern slave, essentially. Mm. And it's your job to bring awareness to that and to detox from all the ways in which the psychopath has tried to project that onto you. And, you know, that's a painful process, creating that separation, you know, coming back to what's actually mine, what are my interests, what are my passions, what am I excited about, and being able to self-direct your life in a way that comes from the internal realm, as opposed to, you know, these ideas that have been programmed onto us. I like um, what you mentioned just there, like, why this, why now? And I know you wrote a pretty damning article about Andrew Tate um, in that regard. Can you speak on that a little bit? Yes, yeah, so I think. Um... You know we've we've been engineered in a, in a, a certain way since um, the 1960s to become more and more uh, liberal until we've got to a point now of, of uh, you know just absurdity and extremity with these drag shows for babies and you know even people who would descri describe would have described themselves as very liberal maybe even as little as 10 years ago are now saying no no this this is this has gone too far I think this is all completely intentional because they want to push back the other way. Um, they're starting to get that. And so they need to uh, harness that and use it to their advantage. So I think Andrew Tate has been installed to um, harness the energy, particularly from young men who, um, you know, uh, feel that feminism have gone too far, that they're being, uh, you know, really pathologized as being toxic just for being male. Um, you know, they've had a lot of bad press and they're frustrated and they're resentful about it. And now you've got Andrew Tate saying, um, you know, this is this is unfair that you've been portrayed like this and you can have better lives. And a lot of the stuff that he says is uh, it's very good advice, you know, uh, take responsibility for yourself and be healthy and aim high and that, that's all great. 
Um, but uh, it's like, um, you know, uh, rat poison is 99% sweet meal and 1% poison. So he's he's reeling them in with a lot of good advice, but, but where where is he going to uh, take them with this? Um, so I didn't believe that his arrest and jail stint, stint was real. I think it was a publicity stunt. And I said, I think he will be released. He'll never be charged. And he's now been released into house arrest and they still haven't charged him with anything. I think he'll be completely the exonerated um and i think that he's going to have um a major role in leading this uh revolution and just like in the 1960s to lead a cultural revolution you need to harness the youth so the 1960s liberal revolution was spearheaded by the youth who were led by change agents um of the day and again uh david mcgowan who did the serial killer book he did a very good book on the 60s revolution and how it was uh intelligence agencies and the military uh behind the list of the book was called um uh, Laurel Canyon, uh, dark, the dark ops behind the hippie dream, something like that. Um, and uh, he portrayed very clearly how the um, establishment will place its cool young change agents to seem organic, to be very uh, popular to the youth, and then, you know, covertly lead them in a desired direction. Um, and uh, David McGowan pointed out that a lot of these change agents tend to have military intelligence fathers. So like Jim Morrison of the Doors is, was the son of Admiral Morrison and Andrew Tate's uh, father was um, CIA. So I think that he's been moulded for this role for a long time and he's going to, uh, to cause the youth to uh, you know rise up and uh, lead a cu the culture in, in a new and different direction. Um, much more conservative, I think, and I think that he will be at the forefront of that. Yeah. Do you think like we're being pushed such an extreme far left in our culture because they're planning for a huge pendulum swing to a very repressive um, kind of culture in society? Yeah, that's that's exactly what I think. Um, and I do think whenever there's anything, um, you know, a TV series or a film that's very big budget, that gets loads of publicity, um, this, you know, this is always because it's predictive programming. For instance, Contagion, a very big budget, all the big name stars are in it. So I think that The Handmaid's Tale was a form of predictive programming, mm -hmm. um, you know, because it was it, such a huge deal. Uh, everyone was talking about it. Everyone knows about it. Um, it's kind of become a cultural cliche. Um, uh, and in The Handmaid's Tale, it does kind of depict this, that the society becomes very liberal. And then there's these kind of cool, young, conservative change agents who spearhead um a revolution and um it kind of happens very quickly and it uh, and uh, as I'm, I'm sure you know they they had the the face coverings in the handmaid's tale and then obviously we we had that in covid um and uh they do show it kind of happens overnight and uh you know people are ordered home from the workplace and told not to leave their houses and told not to leave the cities and we we've, we've already had a taste of that in covid so i think the handmaid's tale was uh predictably programmist that, that a revolution of this type is on the way, just like Contagion was priming us that, you know, a, a plague of this type is on the way. Yeah. Has this happened before? Because I recall a previous guest mentioning that pre-Hitler Germany was echoed a very similar kind of cultural field to what we're experiencing now in terms of the extreme dysfunction, um, very, very far left-leaning, no real structure, no real conservative values right before Hitler's rise. Is that can you, is that true? Yeah. I believe you're absolutely right. I don't know a huge amount about, about it, but I think you're talking about the Weimar Republic. That's right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's yes. Right. Yeah. So I think this is absolutely true that yeah, that that had uh, become a very degenerate and, and uh, 
people were getting uh, increasingly sick of it, just like that they are in our culture today. And then there was a swing back the other direction. So yeah, I think, I think you're absolutely right about that. Yeah. Again, like, you know, the way that, that they play on our psyche is just, you know, it's it's interesting to observe, that's for sure. Um, one thing I want to jump into, I know that you have a very interesting theory around the disappearance of Madeleine McCann. Uh, yes, yeah. Wow. Can, can you talk our audience through that one, please? Okay. Um, so I'm, I'm sure kind of everyone knows who Madeleine McCann is, and this is kind of uh, key because... Uh, People do go missing um, quite frequently. Um, I believe in the UK, 150,000 people go missing a year, um, and we can't name any of them. Uh, we, you know, who are they? Uh, they've all got family, uh, friends, but we don't know who they are. And if they do get um, some media coverage, it'll be a small amount in their local paper. It will fall out of the press after a few days, maybe a few weeks. But Madeleine McCann has been in the press for 15 years. Um, this is almost kind of unprecedented when the news cycle moves so quickly and, uh, you know, what was a huge newsworthy last month being forgotten about now. So um, with my perennial question of why this, why now, I, I, why do they keep her name in the headlines um, for 15 years? That's an extremely long time. Why is Madeleine McCann a household name around the world? Um, you know, this is a British girl. Um, neither of you are British, but you know who she is. Um why is she so important? Um, so I know that there's what I believe is um, a red herring, that um, the parents killed her and covered it up. But my perspective has been, but it's not covered up at all because it's it's international news. Um, you know, everyone knows her name and millions of people around the world think the parents did it or the parents were involved and have uh, espoused this theory quite publicly and openly. So to me, that's not a cover-up. That's kind of the opposite of a cover-up. I think that people are being intentionally baited into thinking that um, because I think that she is going to turn up. So um, there's been this Polish woman who's been in the news recently who uh, started on Instagram, got a lot of followers, said she believed she was Madeleine McCann. She kind of looked a bit physically similar, that the age was sort of right, and um, she wanted a DNA test. And this was in all the papers, and she even went on Dr. Phil in, in America. And I was saying, well, a DNA test is quick and cheap. Uh, you know, they could do it in a matter of hours if they wanted to. They could just have done this DNA test, got a yes or no, and, and closed the story. Why have they given her all this media attention over weeks and weeks and weeks when eventually, finally, it turned out she's not Madeline McCann? So what was the point of that? And I think the point was to um, start to make the public think, well, hang on, maybe Madeline could still be alive because for so many years people said, oh, it's obvious she's dead, it's obvious the parents did it. And the parents have always said, no, 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 we still think she's alive. So I think that the po point of this Polish woman was to make people start to open their minds to the possibility, oh, maybe she could be alive. So I think she, or an actress playing her, or whatever the case may be, will uh, be found. And the purpose of this will be um, multifactorial. I think uh, one is to make conspiracy theorists look crazy, like, you know, you terrible people, you victimised these innocent grieving parents, you blamed her for them for her death and she was alive all along and that could be used as uh, an excuse to limit free speech. Um, and I think the other purpose, uh, perhaps the primary one, is uh, the microchip agenda. Um, if only Madeline had had a microchip, uh, you know, she could have been tracked and found at the start and all this terrible heartache, including innocent parents being blamed, you know, it could have all been avoided. So 
I think that that's what it's leading up to because I can't come up with a reason why this story would have stayed in the press for 15 years unless it was meant to fulfill some key agenda items. Why this, why now? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's yeah, I mean, it's wild to think like, because like, you know, it's hard to deny like how many children go missing every single year. But yet when you hear the term missing child, like at the forefront of the majority of people's minds comes this name, Madeline McCann. Yeah. You know? yeah. When did it when did it initially happen again? What was the date? 2007. 2007. Also, I think there's I think there's some symbology in the MM as well. If you turn on the side, it's a three three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. Uh, wow. Mary, what is, I can I can see a lot of parents jumping on that too. I mean, yeah. people don't think twice about microchipping their dogs. In fact, right. it's required. It is required. You cannot travel internationally with your dog um, if unless your dog has a microchip. Or I, I think, yeah, I think that's the case. There might be some other laws around it, and so people don't think about it. And people yeah. love their dogs, like love yeah. their dogs. So you know, I don't know, it'll be interesting oh, yeah. to see what happens. Yeah, definitely. I think I think you're right, and that's what, when I've um, proposed this theory, a lot of people have said, uh, "Well, most parents are going to be up for this." I mean, <laughs> I think that most a lot of parents are going to think, "Oh, this is a this is a great idea." Um, and in the UK now, it's it's becoming um, a legal requirement this year to microchip cats. So uh, you'd be fined like ten thousand pounds if you don't microchip your cat. So it's all moving in 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 that direction. Yeah, Miri, what? What inspires you? Why why do you do what you do? Hmm. Um, I think I don't like being lied to. Um, and uh I can see that you know the, the catastrophic damage that has been done um to uh so many people that I know and care about by 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 falling to these lies. And um, you know, as we discussed, the ruling classes do understand human psychology very well, they understand that most people are fundamentally uh, decent. And you know, it's, it's so awful to think that uh for instance, a lot the reason a lot of people volunteered at the vaccination centres uh, is obviously not because they wanted to participate in a government genocide program. It's because they think they're doing the right thing, and yeah. I think you know they're doing a wonderful service for humanity. And I just think it's so um, devious and evil that the uh, ruling classes are able to, uh, you know, uh, manipulate and, and weaponize uh, people's fundamental goodness to use uh, against everyone else. And so, well, I've. What I've tried to do is um, just use uh, rationale and, and logic to try and get people to look at things a bit differently. Um, for instance, you know, um, I've, I've repeatedly posed the question of uh, why would a ruling class that is openly committed to depopulation want to extend and uh, preserve life? So it's not a secret that the ruling classes think there's too many people in the world. They're very open about it. And in fact, a lot of normal people agree. Yes, there are too many people. The world's overpopulated. So that's that's um, open. So if they actually believed that, if there was a real pandemic that was killing billions of people, wouldn't they just let it do that? Why would, why would they want to save all these lives when they think there are too many people in the world? So I've, you know, I've asked people to explain that to me in, in in a logical fashion and you know it's you can't can you there's no logical answer to if if, you, if you're a ruling class and you think the world's overpopulated why would you try and preserve billions of lives with a free vaccine and and you know we, we've got this cost of living crisis now in the uk when 
uh, increasing numbers of families can't afford to heat their homes, can't afford to eat enough. We've got these food banks, these warm banks. And I've said to people, so your government won't won't ensure you have enough to eat, won't ensure you can provide a warm home for your children. You know, heat and food are much more essential to survival than vaccination. But they will give you as many free vaccines as you want. Doesn't that seem a bit contradictory? It doesn't make sense, does it? And that's what I'm trying to get people to look at. Does this make sense? Does, does, Does this add up? Yeah. How do you stay like grounded and healthy and sane when, you know, you're going down all these rabbit holes and you're exploring um, these different agendas and uncovering evil? Like, what do you do to take care of yourself and to, to, yeah, to, to be grounded? Um, well, I think, strangely, I found confronting this, this stuff quite helpful because until I came across all this stuff, I had this very niggling sense that, things aren't right you know things aren't adding up nothing really quite makes sense and then when I started to come down these rabbit holes things started to come together and and you know the jigsaw started to come into focus I was like oh right now things make sense so yeah it is I think it's actually been it's been helpful because it's helpful to uh for things to make sense even if you know the the explanation is ultimately quite a horrible one than to just be in chaos and disarray and thinking I don't I don't know what's going on yeah I agree you know that's how it is for me as well you said something before which was so simple but so profound and it's that I don't like being lied to. Like that, that's where the buck stops. That's where it should stop, right? Mm. But for the masses of millions of people who are lying to themselves every single day about nonstop issues, it's like that, that boundary no longer exists, like Because I'm lying to everyone else and everyone else is lying to me. So it's almost like, why, why, why do I need to question whether I'm being lied to or not anymore? It's like now we're just self-creating this illusion between mm. truth and falsehood. And it takes an individual to come back to simple values, which is a symptom of incredible psychic hygiene, in my opinion, of I don't like being lied to. Mm. Yeah. And that's it. That, that, that's when you realize that I have to be the warrior. I have to be the one carrying the machete through the jungle of life, discerning truth from lies. Because I can't trust the, I can't trust the world, I can't trust reality, I can't trust society, I can't trust the culture to give me the truth. So I have to exercise my faculties day in, day out. I have to sharpen that weapon to, to discern truth for myself. And that is the way to maintain psychic hygiene today. It takes a lot of effort, but it's just simple. It's simply the reality. Okay. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. The internal gaze needs to be there. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. You have to be willing to uncover the lies that you tell yourself on a daily basis, first and foremost, in order to be able to even see the lies that are going out and out in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think, I think it's an issue of self-esteem as well. And I think that, uh, the schooling system, the, the mm-hmm. primary uh, goal it has is to eradicate self-esteem. Um, you know, you, you're not allowed to do anything without being given permission. Um, and you're not allowed have any original thoughts the way you succeed in school is just to repeat what so-called experts have said so this uh really tries to program us all with the idea that we're nothing and we can't think for ourselves and we just have to look up to these experts and authority figures to guide us and tell us what to do and tell us what to think because you know we're nothing we're nobody how how dare we think we could know better than the experts and that is that program is very successful for a lot of people but to overcome it you have to rediscover your self-esteem and think no actually i am somebody i do matter i don't need permission to have a different thought you know I don't need authority to let me do what I want I, I'm going to do what I want and 
I'm going to stand by my ideas. And I think that's that's very difficult thing for people to grasp because when, uh, you know, whenever I try and have a, a discussion with um, normies, they just repeat the same kind of things again. They don't engage with my arguments. They'll just say like, um, oh, so where did you get your medical degree from? Or, uh, you know, oh, so uh, have you have you got a, a science degree then? You know, they, they can't engage with your argument. They only try and repeat that programming that you're nothing, you're nobody, you know, who are you to have an opinion? Uh, so we've talked about the, the journey of healing and I think that healing your self-esteem and believing you're worthwhile is, is fundamental to that. Yeah. It's the appeal to authority, logical fallacy, you know, in that regard where it's like, how, you can't, you can't ha- know the truth. Like, where'd you go to school? Yeah. 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 Exactly. Oh, yeah. You're, you're totally speaking your language when it comes to self-esteem. It's pretty much the foundation of why we do what we do. And it's this, you know, it's what's most sorely lacking in our society. But again, we have a huge blinder towards it. We think self-esteem is a non-issue. Like we hear it in high school, we hear it generally, but then we don't hear about it again, you know, but no one really questions what is my relationship to myself? How much integrity, how much truth, how much consciousness am I bringing to my decisions on a day-to-day basis? Because these are all the things which ultimately make me feel equipped and competent to deal with life and to even discern truth. Because most people don't feel worthy of knowing the truth. They feel like they can't know it, right? Mm-hmm. And in that state, you're never going to get to get to a place where you can build yourself up, where you can be empowered, where you can be self-reliant, where you can be... And that that it's only that individual that's the true rebel to the system. Right? Mm-hmm. The, the, the rebel isn't what we're taught. Um, mm-hmm. in, in general, the real rebel is the individual who's built himself up um, to actually be a thorn in the side of the system because the system no longer has any hooks in him. And so, yeah, it is the most important concept um, is cultivating authentic self-esteem for sure. Yeah, and it, it's and it's a lot of this would be overwhelming to someone with low self-esteem. Yeah. You know, and so yeah. like to be able to even just do the own work, your own inner work to to improve as a human being you know, it can be really triggering and painful. And if you don't have high self-esteem to deal with that challenge, then you're just going to stick with the internal status quo. And the same thing goes with the things going out there in the world. You know, just the truth-seeking process requires a certain level of of inner strength because it's not linear. You know, you're going to go down, you're going to take two steps to the left, two steps to the right. You're going to go down this rabbit hole for five years. You're going to believe this one thing. Then you're going to come across information that makes more sense. And then you're going to connect the dots. And then you're going to go, actually, you know, I've changed my view around this. And so to have the psyche strength, even to hold space between contradictions within yourself and what you see in the world and to take the time to connect the dot, to think about things, like it takes a certain amount of inner inner belief to do that. And to change yeah. your own mind and to go, oh, well, you know what? I've come across something that makes more sense to me, uh, makes more rational sense to me. I'm going to shift. And I think that's important. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. And I think um, another thing which you're kind of describing there is, is um, maturity. So another thing I've noticed in, in conversations with normies is they're so um, naive. Like, another thing they, they say to me all the time is so, uh, you know, so you think you're cleverer than a top scientist, do you? And I said, well, no, no not necessarily, but uh, cleverness doesn't equate with morality or integrity. So, you know, these top scientists, Anthony Fauci, whoever, I'm sure are very clever, but that doesn't mean that they're moral, that they've got your best interests at heart, that they can't lie, that they're not uh, motivated by, you know, status and wealth rather than your health. You know, can you not conceive of the idea they might be using their cleverness to lie to you for their own personal gain. And they just don't seem to be able to comprehend that as a possibility. It seems very um, 
childlike, like the way a child just has uh, complete trust in their parents. Of course, my parents know everything. Of course, they're going to always do their best for me. And they don't seem to be able to get their head around the idea that, um, you know, once you're an adult and you're in the real world and these people who are not your parents and, and don't know you and don't and don't love you uh, may not have your best interests at heart. And I, yeah, I think that's a, a lack of maturity, which again, the system sponsors. Age age doesn't determine adulthood, in my, <laughs> in my opinion. No. But again, it's to bring it back to actually the Truman Show, it's reminiscent of a scene when he's in school and he wants to be an explorer. I think he wants to go out and, yeah. What, what does the teacher say to him? Oh, yeah, you're too late, isn't she? she has, there's nothing left to explore. Yeah. There's nothing left to explore. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, well, that's even, what was it, the Forbes article? Like, don't go down rabbit holes. It was yeah. literally telling you not to go down rabbit holes. Like, okay, no, that's all been explored. It's all been figured out. Everything's been settled. How yeah. dare you? How dare you even like click on that website or pick up that book? I mean, yeah, oh yeah. And, why why are you even thinking about it? <laughs> yeah, they 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 do say it very explicitly. There was actually um a headline in the New York Times quite early on, which said um, early on in the pandemic, which said that uh, the solution isn't to think more carefully; it's to trust the experts. Yeah, and that was an actual headline. Yeah. The, the difference between head, like there's so many headlines over, especially over the last few years where I'm like, wait, was this, is this, a, is this a satire website? Like, yeah, I've yeah, spent yeah. time Googling, searching online for these headlines to just double check. Like, is this real? Is this not real? Yeah. And then like so many times they're real. And I'm like, you have to be kidding me. Yeah. You have to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. We, we had a great one here recently. So, um, our, our politicians um, all uh, were exposed as having broken the COVID rules, that they were having parties and, uh, you know, they weren't obeying social distancing. They just completely broke the rules. And, you know, uh, all those conspiracy theorists were saying, yeah, that's because they know it's all nonsense and it's all lies. That's that's why they're breaking the rules. But uh, our then Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, has come out recently and said, um, the reason I broke the rules is not because um, I'm a liar. It's because I'm a moron. Those are his exact rules. That's his exact words. He said he was too stupid to understand the rules that he oh, made. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Amazing. There, he's there. supposed to be the leader, the leader of the elected leader of the country. He's, yes. got, he's got an attack on the shoulder. He needs to cop a few lashes in the public eye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. Hmm. What are you working on right now? Well, um, actually, what I just uh, started, just launched yesterday, is. Um, uh, a YouTube channel. It's not not uh, exactly like what you guys do, um, but uh, several people have said to me that they prefer to um, listen to an article than to read it. It's a bit hard to stare at a screen or they want to do something else. So I'm just starting to upload my articles uh, in audio form, e.g. Uh, read out by me. Um, uh, I've just started a YouTube and I'm going to try and do all the other channels uh, as well. Um, so uh, I hope that will help expand my reach and I also think yeah we could all probably do with staring at screens a little bit less so if people can listen while they're doing something else and that's, uh, that's probably a good thing yeah. you just need your AI avatar to do all that work for you because right. yeah. that's a yeah, lot of yeah. work to upload all your articles just you know plug it into the system and you're all good to go yeah yeah I know <laughs> right. good point well I won't, I won't do the whole back catalog I'll just do a few more, more recent ones and then try and just keep doing them as I go along no, I think it's great, you know, because again, people's people's uh, tastes and how they take in information are changing. So to be able to evolve with that as well. And, you know, these days I feel like people are trying to like, you know, put their headphones on as they multitask and, and clean their house and do this, that, the other. So to sit down and watch something, especially because there's so much content out there, um, I think it's good to take advantage of that. So that's great. 
yeah, 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 absolutely. Oh. Just out of interest, how did you two find out about my site? I Joel? I just a friend of mine, um, previous podcast guest actually Bernard. I saw him share your Andrew Tate article, and oh, right. uh, that was maybe six months ago, I think. And then I signed up to your newsletter back then, um, and uh, yeah, just been you know very very impressed by the level of thought and the level of discernment and the level of clarity that goes into your articles. Um, and so, yeah, that's how. Yeah. Thank you very much. And, and then Joel told me, and I went, "Oh, you're from the UK? Okay, cool. We could use another UK guest. Great, let's do it." Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, yeah. And how how long have you been doing uh, the, this podcast? Our first our first episode was released May seventeenth, two thousand twenty one. So we're okay, coming okay. up we're coming up to two years. Excellent. Um, Joel and I met online. March 2021. We have yet to meet in person, oh, but, really? we, but we will be meeting in person in three weeks as I'm going down to Mexico. To yeah. Yeah. fantastic, yeah. So, the, the, you know, I think the the soil was fertile for I think a lot of new voices to come forth, especially over the last few years. And um, you know, we, we love what we're doing. We love connecting with other people like yourself who. And really care about the truth, you know, and really care about investigating and and bringing forth information that you know people need to be aware of. And again, this isn't about oh, we everything, every guest we have on, every article you write is one hundred percent the truth. But just for an individual to open up to the fact that there is other information that exists. I mean, there's so many people that have just been so conditioned, so conditioned that like, oh wait, what website is that on? Oh, that's a conspiracy. Like they can't even, there's no crack, there's no space for them to even take it in and let it land mm. to, to just even consider, you know? And I think, think that's what's so important, I think, for individuals to realize is like, how how can you just be open, you know, open to it, whether or not you ultimately decide to go, okay, this is it, just to be open enough before that initial, that initial just like complete judgment, oh, it's conspiracy. It's like this dismissiveness. And you go, okay, well, listen, people are going to do what they're going to do. But we're doing what we're doing. And the people that are drawn to us, the people that find value in the work that we do, then that's great. Like, I'm not here to convince everybody, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I think that's that's what, what we're all trying to do is, is I think, um, you know, uh, we're not looking for disciples. We're just trying to get people to ask questions and and, uh, and think for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And and again, like have these conversations, like for instance, until I read your article, that didn't even hit me that this, the part of the agenda would be to take, to have actual physical schools kind of, you know, become more obsolete. So everything is done digitally and through online. So it's making me think about things in a whole new way. I mean, and how, how, how perfectly primed was, was COVID to, to kind of beta test homeschool, homeschooling in that regard, mm-hmm. like internet schooling more so, not really homeschooling, you know? And now we see this incredible rapid increase of AI coming into the public domain. Again, perfect timing, right? When everyone was plugged into their screens for two and a half years or whatever it was, it's like, coincidence? Yeah. Eh, I don't think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. And why we've got the school shooters in the uh, US, we've got... We're having these rolling teacher strikes uh, in the UK. So, yeah. you know, uh, schools keep uh, closing down, teachers saying, you know, we need more money, we need more money. Um, and I think this is all being kind of confected for the governments to go, well, we can't afford to give you more money, so we're going to completely change things up. Um, and, 
you know, I think we are moving quickly towards um, UBI for, for a lot of people of industries are collapsing. Um, and, you know, obviously the argument against uh, internet schooling has always been, well, we need physical schools because parents need to go out to work. But with so many parents now either working from home and I think in the very near future on UBI, then obviously the parents can be in the house to supervise a child. So the child can learn online. Yeah. Yeah. And then also AI teachers. Yeah. Yeah. No, not actually human teachers. But it's like yes, the, the, the argument against homeschooling for half a century has been, oh, we're social animals, we need to be social. But now that's all going out the window. Don't worry about being social anymore. Right. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, uh, you know, there's, there's uh, socializing has been scrapped now because it's not safe, is it? Because they might catch a virus. Um, and there was a big push uh, throughout COVID to say, oh, it's just as good to speak to people on Zoom and it's so much safer. So, you know, children, especially young children, you know, it's a big chunk of their lives, COVID. So that, that's really been sewn into their heads now. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, Miri, what can we say? Thank you for engaging this very safe conversation with us via computer <laughs> screens. <laughs> Thank you for having me on. No, it's been an absolute pleasure. I just want to really honor you and thank you for the work that you've been putting in uh, for quite a long time now. Um, you know, you're definitely making an impact and I'm glad we're able to connect and, and have this conversation. Just to close, just let, us, let, our, let our audience know how they can find your work and how they can support your work, please. Great, yeah. So my uh, website is uh, miriaf.co.uk. That's M-I-R-I-A-F dot co dot uk um and there's a mailing list you can subscribe to it's a it's a little bit difficult to find but if you're on a phone if you scroll right to the bottom of the screen the mailing list is there and if you're on a computer it's just to the right and, and down a bit of uh, of the articles awesome and guys i definitely recommend doing so um I, I believe her articles are cutting edge so definitely check those out um without any further ado guys we'll see you next time take care thanks very much Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being here. Um, you know, please honor yourself and give yourself the necessary the necessary credit for being open minded enough to actually explore these rabbit holes and you know engage in these conversations with us. Um, definitely, you know, a very very small minority of the population which is willing to go to to this degree, um, and who would even enjoy a podcast like this. So we just want to honor you as our listeners and and thank you. Just lastly, a quick reminder that, you know, if you are looking for community support, we have an amazing community of truth seekers. Um, our private members is called Friends of the Truth. We do three live calls a month. We have an awesome Telegram community where people are connecting, you know, pretty much 24-7 on an array of awesome topics and supporting one another. Um, so if that's something that you're interested in, you can head to friendsofthetruth.co to learn more about that. And only for those who are still here, still listening, 50% off for you for your first month, FOTT50. Use that code, check it out. Smoke and mirrors, I'm seeing through the illusion. Waking up in a the time, they think you're in a delusion. Somebody set the alarms, cause they be too busy snoozing. I'm in a DeLorean. Fast forward in evolution to a place where we can share our confusions. Yeah, 450 BC, I'm sharing tea with confusion.